So Luke chapter 19, verse 11. Okay. We're going to start reading from verse 11 now, okay? As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable. Because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minus, uh, you know, units of currency, and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little. You shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your mina has made five minas. And he said to him, and you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit, and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit, and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him, and give it to the one who has the ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you, that to everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Here's a little interesting story that the Lord Jesus tells. And, you know, the context there in verse 11 is as Jesus, towards the end of his earthly time, he draws towards Jerusalem. By this time, there was already so much buzz going on about this teacher, this prophet, this miracle worker. People were supposing, now the kingdom of God that all of us Jewish people have been waiting for is going to come. And their conception of it usually was in the form of a political and military kingdom. The kingdom is going to defeat Rome and establish us as the might of the earth. But they suppose, whatever they expected, that the kingdom of God was to come. And it says that Jesus tells this parable in response to that context. And Jesus' main point is really to tell them about when the kingdom of God is to come in its full and final state. You know, what you might say, the consummation of God's kingdom. And not only that, but he tells them what's going to happen when that kingdom comes. Now, you know, I was thinking about this idea, and, you know, this is the last Sunday of 2020, and I hope when you guys have your, you know, New Year's breaks and you get some time off work, you can have your mind settle down a little bit. I hope you'll be reflecting a little bit on this past year. And what a crazy year it's been. You might be thinking of, you know, what are some resolutions I want to set for next year? What are some things in my year that I need to reflect on and improve on or think about? Those kind of things. And I'm sure as you look to 2021, if you're organized, like I need to be soon, 
You'll be getting a diary and making sure you get all the dates down of all the things you need to be aware of coming up in the year. And for me, you know, I, I file my own taxes with the support from the church. I've got to always be careful that I get my stuff ready by that tax month, by that April. Otherwise, I'm going to be bogged down with a lot of work with getting all my stuff together, all the numbers together. And this is idea there that you might not have to deal with the taxes now, but you've got to be aware that it's coming up. You've got to know in what manner it's coming up and what's, what it's going to have relevance for you when it gets here. Right? You'd have to be very naive and foolish to say, well, because the tax year doesn't end now, I'm not going to worry about it until then. Because if you wait until then, it's already too late. You're going to be bogged down with a lot of work and IRD is going to be sending you a lot of messages. I know this by personal experience in one of those years where I procrastinated. And the idea here is that we might think to ourselves and look around and say, well, the kingdom of God is not coming here in that spectacular way that the Bible describes. Jesus has not come in His full glory and power. The Son of Man has not descended from the skies with the host of angels. You might be very tempted to think, you know, when I think of 2021, when I think of the future, to not think at all in relevance of that great coming event, which the Bible says every human being will have to deal with, will have to reckon with. And so I want you guys to consider as you close this year, from the story that Jesus tells us, where are you in relation to that coming event? The final coming of the kingdom of God. Because make no mistake, as Jesus says over and over, as the Bible declares with total certainty, that day is coming. And on that day, the living and the dead will be raised to meet God face to face. Now let's consider a few observations in this little story. You know, Jesus tells a story of a nobleman. He leaves his little domain that he rules over. And he goes to receive a great kingdom from perhaps an inheritance or whatever it is. And the citizens of that kingdom and his domain, we can see here the first kinds of people in this story, they don't want him to rule over him, rule over them. They send a delegation saying, we don't want this man to reign over us. They're his enemies, verse 27, they hated him, they rebelled against him. They say, we don't want to be ruled by this man. But even, that's the first kind of people, but even as he goes, this nobleman, this master, he has a few servants, and he trusts them with some currency, 10 wads of cash, you know, 10 meters, 5 wads of cash, 1 wad of cash, and he says, go and be faithful to me, go and invest it, and, and do all of these things for my benefit. That's what servants do, don't they? They listen to their masters. And that's the setup of the three groups of people that have some kind of relation to the king who is about to be crowned king and the kingdom that he is to be received. And the first thing I want to note for you here is that when you read this story, can you think of a group of people that is not described in their relationship to the king? And when you look at the story, you will find nobody like that. Every single group of people in this story is described and characterized by their relationship to the king. You see what I'm saying here? They're either the citizens who don't want to submit to his rule and they're his enemies and rebels, or they're the people who are serving him faithfully, or maybe they're that one servant who claimed to be a servant, who has the gift from the master and yet does not faithfully obey the master. But either way, 
all of them are described in relationship to that master, to that king. And here's what the relevance of the coming kingdom of God to us is. We might not see it now. You might think life is always going to go on forever. Just the way it is now. Kiwi summers, going out fishing, going to the beach. But my dear friends, every single one of us will meet God. And on that day, whenever it is, the most important characteristic is your relationship to Him. You know, you might think about yourself, and how would you describe yourself if you met someone new? You might say, I'm a Chinese, I'm a man, I enjoy playing basketball, I like doing this, I like doing that, I like eating this. And yet, before the face of God, the only, the most important thing is what is your relationship to Him? That's what characterizes you. And you see, when the Lord Jesus describes the final coming of the kingdom of God, He simply assumes that to be a fact. And I wanted to observe that and point that out. And really, what I'm wanting you to consider this morning is, what is your relationship to God today? What is your relationship to Him being over this year, 2020? What will your relationship look like in the year to come? What is it that you hope it to be? What are you aiming for? What are you looking for in your life to grow towards? I want you to think in that idea, that relationship to God. How do you relate to the Lord your Creator? How do you relate to God Almighty? The one... Jesus, who has gone into heaven to receive a kingdom, he will one day return. Just as this noble man did. Now, I want to discuss briefly these three groups of people to maybe, by God's help, to help you to think, where am I right now? Look there with me with that first group of people as we read through in order, as Jesus describes them. That first group of people are the servants who received the money and they went and invested it. And they made back money for the master. They said, look, Lord, I've made ten more. I've made five more. Now, why are there two servants? Why, why isn't it just enough to say, there's one servant. He was a good servant. He received the gift from the master. And he went and made more for the master. He was obedient. He's called faithful. He's called a, a good servant. Why is there two? Well, what is being told to us there is that it doesn't really matter to the master how much money you made for him. Ten or five is really irrelevant to a man who's just received a kingdom. What is being spoken of here is not the amount of things they've done for their master, but the fact that their heart was faithful to him. Do you see that? The fact that they lived their life while he was away, obediently. They took what he gave... All these gifts, this wad of cash. And they went and they selflessly used it for his benefit. And the master looks at them and says, Well, you know, I'm not really going to be... You know, my, my profit doesn't double that much just because I got ten or five. I've got a kingdom. But he sees the heart of these servants. And in response he says, You shall rule over ten cities. Five cities. It's a lot more than just ten coins, isn't it? But what he's looking for is the heart of the people. Who are faithful to Him. Who live to use everything He has given them in their lives for His benefit. Now my dear friends, that is the description of the genuine Christian. The follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see He's he's there in heaven. He's going to come back and bring the final coming of the kingdom. 
But while we're here on this earth, we've got a mission, don't we? He's left up with a mission. To love one another and to love all of mankind by sharing the gospel. To live in worship to God. To love Him with all of our hearts and mind and strength. He's left us a way to walk. That's what the idea of following is. You walk after Him. And when we in our hearts, because we're won over by His love for us, we follow Him. We say, what a wonderful Master. I can't wait to use everything He's given me to do more for Him. And we need to be encouraged. It's not about the amount of work you do for God. God is not going to be richer or poorer because of what we do or don't do. But what He's looking for is where is your heart? How do you view Him? Do you view Him as a master worth serving above everything else? Is He worth giving up everything? All of the gifts you possess now, your time and your money and your energy, is He worth giving all of that up to glorify, to worship, to be faithful to all? That's the first kinds of people. And that's what the Bible is calling all Christians to be. But look at the second one. There's a third servant. And he received only one wad of cash, one minas. But he went and hid it in a handkerchief and tucked it away somewhere and just left it. Didn't do anything for the master. When the master came back, he thought of an excuse. Master, I knew you were a severe and a, a terrible man. I was afraid of you. And I didn't want to try to invest it and then lose it and get beaten for it. So I thought, why don't I just hide it away so at least I don't lose what you gave me. Now why do I say that's an excuse? Because in the story, the master himself says in verse 22, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. If it's as you say that I am a hard and severe master, shouldn't you have then at least gone and invested my money with the bank? Which is that, you know, it'll be safe and I'll get a little bit of interest. At least that's reasonable. What the master in this story is pointing out is the total hypocrisy of this servant. He was a lazy servant. A wicked servant. And what he did to get out of his duty to work for the master. Get this. He slanders the character. The other two servants thought he was a worthy master to work for. They, they did it willingly. This servant, because he didn't want to confess that he was wicked and lazy, he would rather slander the character of the master. And the master picks that up and calls him on his hypocrisy. He says, you don't really think that of me, because if you did, you would at least put it in the bank. You haven't even done that. Come on. Clearly you are a lazy and wicked servant. Now, my dear friends, this is a sober thing for us to reflect on. Because Jesus is teaching us here that there are those who take the name of Christians. But deep down in their hearts, they do not willingly serve. They are not willingly giving up their lives faithfully to Him. They are titled as wicked and lazy. And the incredible thing about these people, if you think with me, is that they will come up with every excuse, even slandering the character of God, rather than confess, it's because I'm lazy and too proud to be faithful to God. They'll come with things like, well, I don't really like the idea that God is a, a God who judges people. I don't want to serve a God like that. But it's what He says of Himself. What right do you have to reject that? 
They might say all manner of things, but whatever it may be, whatever excuses come up intellectually, the problem is that spiritually in their heart, they do not want to serve God. They refuse to be faithful to God. Now think carefully. Is that you? Because what a terrible place to be if you were like this servant at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In one sense, it would be better not to call yourself a follower of Christ at all than to say, I follow Christ and not follow Him. Because that is added hypocrisy. That is a reality. And we must be so careful of that in our own hearts. You see, if you don't see Jesus, God, clearly, if you excuse yourself and think He's a hard and severe master, you won't serve Him. You will find these excuses to cover up your laziness and wickedness. You see, as the good servants, how could they willingly serve the master? Because they knew he was a worthy master. They knew he's a king. They knew he's a good king who entrusted them with these things. And they're proven right because once he comes back, he gives them ten cities. That's generous. Come on. He, they know the true character of the master. That's why they willingly served him. My friends, if you see in your life a reluctance in your heart to serve God, I will wager this. It's because you don't see His good and loving and generous character clearly enough. You think perhaps you've got to do these things so that He will love you. Well, what a burden. Of course you won't want to serve Him. You'll think, I've got to come to church and read the Bible and do all these Christian things or He'll send me to hell. What a terrible way to relate to God. I wouldn't want that relationship. But what the Bible teaches us is that is. God is a God of love who has graciously given His own Son to give you life. That's a master well worth serving with all of your life. He's first given everything for you. It's a small thing for Him to ask you to give everything for Him. Now that's the second kind of people. Let's move on to the third. These are the citizens who will not have anything to do with this King. We do not want Him to reign over us. We don't want Him... To, to have any say over our lives. We want to do our own thing. We don't like this king. We hate him. They rebel against his authority. And in verse 27, they are called as enemies. Now I think that is frighteningly the description of the world at large. Not just now, but ever since 2,000 years ago, or you might even say right from the beginning. This is a description of those who refuse to even contemplate the idea of submitting to God. As C.S. Lewis says, pride is something that so blinds a person. Sin is so blinding. Even on that day when we are sentenced as His enemies in punishment in hell, pride, without the restraining grace of God, will still teach the sinner, God is the one at fault. You are right to fight for your independence. You are right to rebel against them. See, what these people are is that they so hate the king that they refuse to submit to him. But the reality is, their rebellion does not change the fact that he is the king, that he has the kingdom. Just like in, if you think about the world at large, we might think about it with sadness of heart. Because we were once like that. If you are a Christian, we were born naturally opposing God. Why? Because we, like our own 
independence. Thank you very much. How, how do you like it when somebody tells you, you have to do this? The natural response is, who are you? Why should I listen to you? Just look at children. Try. Tell the kids, do this. My daughter's a year and a half, and she doesn't want to do it. Phoebe knows no. It's so inherent in human nature to say, I want to do things my way. And I will refuse to submit to everybody else. Even God. Even God of infinite wisdom. The God of infinite love. Even the God who created me. I will refuse to obey. I would rather go my way. And the thing is, that can be so easily dressed up today with pretty sounding things like, but I feel like this is right for me. I feel like this is what I want to do. This is my dream. Doesn't God want me to be happy? Those are the kinds of excuses. But at the end of the day, you just ask this question. What is the heart attitude? It's one of saying, God, please step out of my life. I want to choose my way. And I refuse to submit to you. Now Jesus tells very plainly that these people are God's enemies. They refuse to submit to God. They have not been won over by His love. In fact, they don't even want to consider it. They would rather go on in their own prideful and stubborn way. And in the end, verse 27, will be true of them. Bring my enemies before them and slaughter them before me. God, in the end of His kingdom, will not suffer rebels to continue. Right now in this world, even as He rules over it, there are millions and billions of rebels because He's gracious. He's patient. He's extending His hand day and night to these rebels who don't want Him to rule over them, saying, What are you doing? Don't you see? My love, I've sent my Son. Come to me before it's too late. But even though God's patience is so long-suffering, there will come a time when it is ended. When the final coming of the kingdom is a reality, God will destroy all of His enemies. Now, my dear friends, is there where you are this morning? I'm saying this with as much with as seriousness as I can come up with. It is so terrifying to stay there as God's enemies. If your heart has not been won over by Him so as to submit yourself willingly to Him, the Bible only has one description for that position. It is to stay as the enemy it is to stay under His judgment. It is to be meeting the end of destruction when He comes. That's not something I want to say lightly. In fact, it's something I wouldn't personally want to say at all. But to be faithful to what Jesus is teaching, you have to be willing. So think carefully. Where has your heart been this past year? Have you been willingly submitting to this wonderful King who so loves us, that He gave His own Son. In fact, if we take Jesus as the King, the King who would die for His citizens before ever asking anything of the citizens, that's a good thing. My friends, have you lived your life this year wanting to be faithful to Him? Will you determine in this coming year to be faithful to Him? And if you are not there now, you are in a dangerous place. You are not in a right Think carefully where you are. And I pray God would help every single one of you, by His grace, to repent if you need to, to ask Him for help where you need to, 
to draw near to Him, to see Him more clearly, but that you would end up there with these good and faithful servants. Let's be faithful to Him with whatever He has given us. What a generous God. You know, our mind cannot even imagine the glories He has prepared for us when He returns. There's a story that Jesus tells us. Now let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this precious word. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for teaching us this parable. We see, Lord, that the coming of the kingdom is something that we cannot avoid, even though right now it's so easy to blind ourselves to the fact that, you know, things seem to continue as they are. But teach us, Lord, from your word that this kingdom is coming. You, the king, you will return. And on that day, how we have related to you throughout our lives is the most important question. Dear Lord, have mercy on us. Forgive all of our tendencies to go our own way. Every single one of us here, would you turn our hearts to you and help us to trust in you. Help us to turn away from our rebellion, from our pride of wanting to do things our way. Help us, Lord, to receive your grace and forgiveness to take your terms of peace and to submit ourselves to you. What a joy it is to serve such a worthy and generous and gracious master. Help us, Lord, to serve you with our whole hearts in this coming year and for the whole of our lives. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name.